This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Good morning and welcome to Taylor Tabernacle Live. We thank you, family and friends, for joining in with us this morning. We are streaming through Facebook and YouTube Live from Philadelphia, PA, where Jonathan E. Ford is our pastor. I pray that everyone has cleared their pathways and dug out of the snow we received on yesterday. Amen. We still got to go back out and do some more. I don't know about you, but I struggle at times to read my word during the week. Amen. I'm fighting all week, trying to stay safe, care, and educate the families that I work with. Um, just trying to keep them together and keep my family together during this pandemic. I'm ready to hear a word from the Lord, and I hope that you are too as well. So at this time, I'm going to pray, and I ask everyone um, who can, if they would just bow their heads or stand and let's go to the throne of grace. Amen. Father God, in the name of Jesus, thank you for the gift of allowing us to see another day clothed in our right minds and healed in our bodies. Thank you for brand new mercies and second chances to make it right with you, O oh God. As we gather today in the comfort of our homes, I pray that you fill our hearts with love to be a blessing to others, O oh God. Transform our minds to be more like you and help us to be still to listen to your voice. Thank you, God, for protecting us and keeping our families during this season. Please heal this world and make this pandemic come to an end soon. I pray, O oh God, that you continue to protect us from the pressures of the day. Watch over our youth, cover and keep them safe from the gun violence that floods our city. Comfort the families who have lost loved ones and give them hope, God, that you are with them always. Father, help us to commit our lives into your hands. Lead and guide us by your spirit, not ours. Father, give us wisdom to make right choices and decisions that will bring glory and honor to your holy name. Let your love flow through us and in us to help us to do what you have called us to do. Help us, O oh God, to receive your word so that it will change our lives. Thank you for the series of the teachings on communion. Thank you for unity for we are one body in Christ. And Lord, Father, God, thank you for your love, for your love for us, for giving us your son to sacrifice his life so that we can have everlasting life, his bruised body and shed blood, that it may unite us as we partake of it in unity as the body of Christ. We praise you and thank you for all things. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Our scripture this morning will be coming from Romans 14, 16 to 19. Amen. And I will be reading from the New Living Translation. Romans 14, 16 to 19. Then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a good life, excuse me, but of living a life of goodness 
and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you. So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. And now I will turn the service over to our pastor, Reverend Jonathan E. Ford. Good morning and God bless you. Uh, what a wonderful uh, privilege it is to see all of you again uh, today. Thank you for joining us here at Taylor Tabernacle Live. Um, I'm excited about today's message. Before we get into it, I do want to send a special shout out uh, first to my dad, Bishop James Ford. So glad that he is online today. Uh, he has not been able to do so. Uh, for a number of weeks, but I'm glad that he is online today. I want to thank the staff there as well for your assistance in making that happen for him. May the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. And I really thank God for you, not only for what you do for my dad, but what you do for all of the residents living there. We appreciate your work. Thank God for uh, Deaconess uh, Lillian. Uh, thank you for getting us on and getting us going. I thank God for you, but I also thank God for your technical assistant this morning, Isabella. Thank you for, uh, well, thank, thank God for all the kids who bring their parents into the 21st century with technology. I know my boys helped me with that as well. So with that, let's go right to the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, uh, we're continuing our series on communion and being prepared for it today. I like today's message because we're going to look at a familiar passage. We hear it every communion, but I don't think uh, time is taken often to explain or walk through the passages so that we can walk away with a clear understanding out of God's Word. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me, 1 Corinthians the 11th chapter, and we're going to look at verses 27 through 34, 27 through 34. And as we continue our series on communion, today I want to talk about what it means to take communion in an unworthy manner. What does it mean to take communion? in an unworthy manner, okay? And as we give our attention over to the Word of God, Paul gives us some instruction and some clarity on that subject, as you will see here. So again, if you'll join with me, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to his own self. 
not discerning the Lord's body. For this very reason, many are weak, many are sick among you, and many have fallen asleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let them eat at home, lest you come together for judgment, and the rest I will set in order when I come. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, because thy word is true. Thy word is light, and thy word is a lamp unto our feet. Father, I pray now that your word would give light, understanding, and wisdom concerning the Lord's table, that we might honor it and your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and partake and become one with him, one with you, one with the Spirit, and one with believers throughout the ages. So open our eyes that we might see Open our ears that we might hear. Lord, open our heart and our mind that we may gain an understanding concerning the word of God. This is our prayer. We ask it in Christ's name and for his sake. Everybody, everywhere, say amen. God bless you. So all, all month long, we've been talking about communion. Uh the goal of communion is unity, how it makes us one. We've talked about uh, his body uh, representing the bread. And we've talked about his shed blood represented by the wine. And that, that part of the communion service gets a lot of attention, I believe primarily because you have something tangible in front of you to relate to or connect with. You actually have the bread, you actually have the wine, uh, symbolic as it may be. There is something that you are connecting with. But in this second part of instruction that Paul is given to the Corinthian church, there is nothing tangible to touch or feel. And so we really must open our mind and our understanding to it to, 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 um, uh, grasp the weightiness of what Paul is saying. And that's why I think oftentimes in the communion service at our church, churches all over the world, when this part of the scripture is read, I hate to say this, I know many times for me, uh, it kind of goes in one air and out the other. But today we want to look at it because in my perspective, I believe this is the weightier part of the communion service. The weightier part is not the actual taking or participating in the communion. The more weightier part is what we do prior to in preparation to participate in the communion. And I think that is the part that helps us as believers to not 
take, not allow communion to become common. Okay? So let, let's, let's get right here. We're right at it. So let's get into it. Verse 27. This therefore connects us what he's just told us about the, the actual elements of the Lord's Supper. He talked about the body. He talked uh, about the bread. He talked about doing this until Jesus comes. And every time we do it, we proclaim his death. And then he says, therefore. Now he's connecting this to the actual communion or Lord's Supper. And he says, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup, participating in communion, in an unworthy manner, will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Okay? That that you gotta read that slow, because there's there's some stuff going on there, right? Whoever eats this bread, drinks this cup in an unworthy manner. What does that mean? Alright? I'm gonna read I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to you slowly. If someone wants to put it in the chat, the Lord bless you. To participate in the communion service in an unworthy manner means to participate ritualistically, indifferently, with an unrepentant heart. It means to participate with a spirit of bitterness or any other ungodly attitude. To participate in the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner means to participate ritualistically or indifferently or with an unrepentant heart or a spirit of bitterness or any other ungodly attitude. An unworthy manner. Ritualistically, we all fall into this. We just do it because that's what we do. How many people have come to church and not even realized it's Communion Sunday? Just, oh, I didn't realize this was the first Sunday, the third, whatever Sunday your church may take it. And you just, well, since that's what it is, let me just, all right. Take the bread, take the wine, and just you just take communion. No, no prayer, no consecration. You didn't even know it was communion. And what you find yourself doing, you're doing it uh, uh, what what they call here ritualistically. You're just doing it out of habit. You're just doing it because everybody else in the church is doing it, right? And you just don't want to seem out of place. So yeah, let's okay. I mean, that's that is the wrong way to take. Anytime you find yourself getting ready to take communion, and you're in that state, you didn't realize it was communion, you're not prepared, you haven't consecrated, you haven't, fat, nothing, nothing to prepare your mind, your body, and your spirit for, stop. Don't take communion. You're not prepared for it. And as you can, and as you see in this very first verse, there is a, a, a penalty or a consequence for taking communion in an unworthy manner. That's ritualistically. It also means to be taken indifferently. I mean, I, whatever. 
if you if you give me a cup, great, I'll drink it. If you don't, that's fine. Whatever. I'm really just waiting for service to be over. You know, I'm really just here because I had to bring my mom here. I'm really just it it what whatever you guys are doing, whatever. It don't really matter to me. You know what I mean? That's an indifferent spirit. I, I, I don't care if I do it, I don't care if I don't. You know, it 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 really doesn't matter to me. And I don't know, so, so many times uh, looking out on the congregation, you can just see the faces of the people who communion doesn't even matter to them. So, it, it, just like, hurry up and let's get through this so that either we can get out of service or get to the next part of the service. They have an indifferent attitude. They have a an I don't care attitude. There is no uh, concern. There is no uh, level of seriousness relative to their participation in this sacrament. They're just indifferent. Don't care whether you do or whether you don't. It's just, I'm here. Let's get it over with. Okay? Don't take communion. Are you with me? Unworthy to take it ritualistically, indifferently. Here's, here's, a, here's the big one. Or to be taken with an unrepentant heart. That means you take communion with known sin in your life that you have not confessed or asked for forgiveness for, first from Christ and then from the one you've offended. You know you're in the wrong, but again, because you are indifferent about the communion, the fact that there is unconfessed sin in your life doesn't bother you. It doesn't activate your conscience. You go ahead and do it anyway. And now you bring your unconfessed sin, your 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 filthiness that has not been purified by the blood of Jesus, and now you connect it in to the body of Christ, right? Right? Because you're indifferent. You know, you know you're wrong, but hey, I'm not look, they they're gonna come to me first. Never never remembering what the word of God says, says leave your gift at the altar. And go get reconciled with your brother first. You follow what I'm saying? Anytime you come to the Lord's table, the first thing you must do is to prepare for it. And in preparing for the Lord's table, preparing for the communion, the, the first step you must do is confess your sins. It means to take it in an unworthy manner. Or... To come to the Lord's table with a spirit of bitterness. A spirit of bitterness. If you got your if you got your Bibles, flip over here. I just want to show you a couple passages on this bitterness. Go to Ephesians chapter four, verse thirty one. If you have your Bible, stay in the New Testament, Ephesians. Chapter 4, verse 31. Here it is. You got it. It says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all that. He says, get rid of it. Get rid of bitterness, anger, 
clamor, evil speaking. Watch what you say. He said, get rid of it. Get it, get it out of your spirit. Get it out of your mind. Get it out of your heart. And this is just, if, though it's not related to communion, it can be applied to communion. Because now he said, this is how you come to the communion table. But be what? Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Okay? You can't take communion with while harboring bitterness in your spirit. You've got to get that out of you. You've got to get that out of your system. You've got to purge that out. You've got to pray that out. You've got to fast that out. You've got to go and get reconciled and get that thing out of you. You follow what I'm saying? Because when we connect, again, remember what we've been saying. Communion makes us one. And if we come in in an unworthy manner, we bring that level of contamination into the body of Christ. We're the virus. For, 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 forget Omicron. For, forget Delta. Forget COVID. That's not what's killing the church. What's killing the church are believers who come to the table in an unworthy manner and inject a sin virus into the body of Christ because they are indifferent. They don't care. They don't care about anybody. They don't care about Christ. They don't care about the brethren. They don't care about the purity of the church. And so they take communion any kind of way. What, what did Paul say? Not discerning the Lord's body. No thought given. No, no consideration taken about what you're doing, why you're doing, about what Christ did and why he did it and who he did it for. When we take communion in an unworthy manner, we inject a virus into the body of Christ. Go to Hebrews 12, 15. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, verse 15. Verse 14 says, follow peace with all men, holiness, without no man shall see the Lord. Verse 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, get this, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defied. This is what happens when you come to the Lord's table with a spirit or heart of bitterness, right? That root of bitterness will spring up. It'll not only trouble you, but like I said, it'll get into the body of Christ and it'll begin to trouble others who are in Christ. And instead of being uh, blessed by the bread, blessed by the wine, we contaminate the bread, we contaminate the wine, we contaminate the body of Christ, all because we got a spirit of bitterness, no love. No compassion, no kindness. That's how the Corinthians were taking communion. They didn't care about the other folks. People who had food ate it. Those that didn't were without. They went ahead. So many of them got drunk before there was enough wine to 
to share with the others who were coming, and they just made a mockery out of the communion. They made it a, a, a foolish event. Just they defiled it. Why? They took it in an unworthy manner, never realizing they were injecting a virus. They were harming the body instead of helping the body. They they were they were cursing that which God had consecrated to be holy. Why? Because they did it in an unworthy manner. They were indifferent about how they did it. They were indifferent about how they lived. They didn't care of what the word of God said. They overrode their conscience and lived in an unholy manner and came boldly to the communion table. Paul said you got to be careful. Paul said there's consequences. He said if you eat the bread and drink this cup in an un... Listen to what he said. He said you're guilty. This is the word of God. He said, you're guilty. You have been tried and found guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. We get down here further. He's going to tell you the penalty for it. But I'm trying to get you to understand the greater part of communion is not in the actual partaking of the sacrament. It's actually in the work we do before. Or we come to the Lord. If you're going to get communion right, you got to do the work before you come to the Lord's table. You got to do the work before you take the bread, before you drink the wine. You got to examine yourself. Turn the spotlight from heaven on your own life. Lord, clean me, purify me. That I might partake of the Lord's sacraments. Here it is. Now we have verse 28. But this is, here it is. Verse 28. You can avoid this guilty sentence by what? He said, do this. Let a man or let every man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread. And drink of the cup. Before you take communion, examine yourself. Nobody knows better. Well, that's not even the true statement. The Lord knows better. I was going to say, nobody knows better than yourself, but actually God knows better uh, than what we will ever know. But you know, if your heart is towards Christ and you have studied the communion, and you've read these passages and understand that if you are not careful, if you are not mindful, if you are not prayerful, you'll come to the communion table and take it in an unworthy manner. But Paul said all you got to do is examine yourself. Examine your life against the word of God and what the word of God says in terms of preparing yourself for communion. That's what he says. He said this, so why? Because if you don't, you'll be found guilty. Let's work to this guilt here. Let me work this guilty piece. To be guilty means to come to the Lord's table clinging to one's sin. It not only, um, not only does it dishonor the ceremony itself, 
but it also dishonors his body and blood. Treating lightly the gracious sacrifice of Christ for us. It, it is necessary to set all sin before the Lord, confess it, and then partake so as not to mock the sacrifice for sin by holding onto it yourself. To come to the Lord's table clinging to one's sin does not only dishonor the ceremony itself, but it also dishonors the body and blood of Jesus Christ, treating lightly the gracious sacrifice of Christ for us. It is necessary to set all sin before the Lord, then partake, so as not to mock the sacrifice for sin by holding on to it. This is how you prepare for communion. Examine your own self. Examine your heart. Examine yourself against the word of God. I heard Deaconess Lillian saying she fights to get to the, her word and keep her prayer life going, and we all do. She, she's just all of us. But thank God for the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, who's always there, who's always alert, who's always on. He's operating 24-7. He's actually operating beyond 24-7 because being a part of the Godhead, he's eternal. And he himself warns us of sin. Through our conscience and through our spirit, he raises that awareness inside of us. Our job is not to override his warning, but to give heed to it and be like, wow, what I said, what I've done. This isn't, this isn't the way of the Lord. This isn't how he has asked me to live for him and to represent his body and to represent his blood. And guess what? I love what it says in First John. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgiveness is available. So why would we not take advantage of it? Why would we not examine ourselves, see where there is anything in us that is not like Christ and just confess it? Get it out before we come to the Lord's table. But let a man examine himself. Then so let him eat and drink of the bread and of that cup. Here it is, verse 29. He who eats and drinks, again, in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself. Right? You've been found guilty. So now you've got it. There's a judgment for that. Not discerning the Lord's body. Judgment. This judgment here, let me be clear. This is not eternal judgment. Right? Not saying you're going to hell. That that's not, this is not eternal damnation. But this judgment is more, uh, what theologians would call chastisement. Okay? Chastise. This is what parents do to their kids when they don't obey. They're going to chastise them 
in some way or some manner. Not to harm them, but to what really bring about what? A, a better decision, a better behavior. So we, the parents chastise their kids so that what? Not, not to make them worse, but they chastise them actually to what? Make them better, right? And so he said there, there is, uh, when you're guilty that there comes with it a judgment, not discerning a Lord's body. When believers get this, do not properly judge the holiness of the celebration of communion, they treat with indifference the Lord himself, his life, his suffering, and especially his death. Right? For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself because they have not discerned the Lord's body. Okay? When believers do not properly judge the holiness of the celebration of communion, they let it become common, just something we do on the first Sunday or the third Sunday, they become indifferent. They treat with indifference the Lord himself. I tell you, when we come around communion, it makes us one. One with each other, but it also makes us one with Christ as he is one with the Father. And so when we treat it indifferently, and now we come to have oneness with him, what it, the implication is that we treat him indifferently. We treat his sacrifice indifferently. You follow what I'm saying? So look, let, let's go back to Hebrews. If you got your Bibles, go to Hebrews 6 and 6. Hebrews. We keep going back to Hebrews because the writer of Hebrew just does a masterful job in bringing uh, and taking the readers from Judaism to Christianity, from the old covenant to the new covenant. What the old high priest did now in comparison to our new and greater high priest. That's why we keep finding ourselves going back to Hebrews. Um, but Hebrews 6 and 6. I'll start at verse 4. It says, for, if, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance. Listen to this. Since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. This is taking communion in an unworthy manner. When we do that, we crucify again the Son of God. We do that. Not the Roman soldiers, not Pontius Pilate, not the religious leaders of Jesus' day. 
not the Jews, but you and I, when we come to the communion table in an unworthy manner, ritualistically, indifferently, a spirit of bitterness, any other ungodly attitude, we openly crucify the Son of God again and again and again. Right? This is in your Bible. And look what he says. And we put him to a public shame. Lord Jesus, help us. Go to stay in Hebrews. Go to the 10th chapter. Hebrews 10, 29. Hebrews, the 10th chapter, verse 29. Just flip over a couple pages. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? This is what you do when you take communion in an unworthy God. You literally put Jesus on and you walk on him. Right? Here it is. And counted the blood of the covenant. Right? Jesus said what? This cup represents what? My blood and is the new covenant, right? This is your Bible tying it together. When you come to the communion table in an unworthy, an unworthy manner, you trample the Son of God underfoot and his blood is counted, the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified. Counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified. Listen, a common thing, right? Have we already preached about that? And have insulted the spirit of grace. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be he thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot and counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, saith the Lord. I hope you guys are getting something out of this message today. When I was preparing this message, I had one thought, and that was, I'm so glad we're not taking communion today. Because if so, how many of us, myself included, would have taken communion today in an unworthy manner? Are you with me? Let's keep going. So we were at 29. He eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So now, here we are. For this reason, here comes the chastisement. Many are weak. Many are sick among you, the brethren, among the church. And many are asleep. Okay? The weak and sick is not necessarily referring to a physical condition, although it could be. But it's more implying to a spiritual condition. 
Many believers are spiritually weak and spiritually sick because they have taken communion in an unworthy manner. It is better simply to not take communion, okay, until you have confessed your sins, until you have sought forgiveness, and you become, uh, uh, you become in right alignment with the Word of God, with the Spirit of God, with the Son of God, okay, in alignment with the Father, with God the Father, and then take communion versus continually to take communion, knowing your life is out of alignment, your life is out of, out of the plan and purpose of God for you, knowing your life has unconfessed sin in it, that's the reason you're weak spiritually. That's the reason you're sick spiritually. That's the reason you don't have the fire or the passion anymore. Why? It's been dampened or dulled by the, the unconfessed sin in your life. And we compound the matter when we come to the Lord's table and partake of his body and his blood. Instead of doing what Paul is advising us, which is to examine our own selves. Look at your own life. And say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me for the way I've lived. Give me for what I've done. Forgive me for what I've said, forgive me for the hurt, the harm, the damage I've caused. Give me a, Lord, Lord, I love this, this is one of my favorite verses. Somebody was asked that, one of my favorite verses. Lord, create in me a clean heart. That's what I want. And renew a right spirit with that's what I want. That's what you need to take to me. Lord, create in me a clean heart. That's the prayer we pray before we come to the Lord. And just renew, renew, give me a Holy Spirit, a clean spirit, a pure spirit, one that doesn't harbor bitterness, one that doesn't harbor anger, one that doesn't harbor unforgiveness. Because I don't want to contaminate your body. I don't want to be, I don't want to be the point of injection of a virus into the body of Christ. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Lord, renew a right spirit within me. Lord, do it so that I'm not weak. Lord, I want to be strong. I want to be spiritually able to do everything that you have called and purposed for me to do. He'll give you the strength. But you got to first confess our sins. And this is not confession for salvation. Communion is only for believers. Let me say it again. That's one of the questions I'll be addressing uh, later next month. Communion is not for everybody. Let me say it again. Communion is not for everybody. Okay? It is reserved only for believers. Right? Those who have already confessed their sins 
has asked Christ into their heart as their Lord and Savior, have been filled with the Holy Spirit, and are living for him. That's who takes communion, okay? So when you see here and you hear me talk about confession of sins and examine yourself, I'm not talking about salvation. That has already occurred. The only people taking communion should be believers. But even in the life of the believer, okay, until he comes again, we will always be struggling with our flesh, always be struggling with old memories and old habits. And that's why Jesus said you must pick up your cross and what? Die daily to those things, okay? Die daily. It's a continual thing. Again, going back with Sister Dickens Lillian was saying, it is a fight. It is. A, that's why Paul says we got to fight the good fight. It is a fight. It is a struggle because we live in contaminated uh, uh, containers. We live in contaminated clay shells longing and looking for the day when we shall receive new bodies that are in harmony with our spirit, which has been regenerated. Okay? But until then, we're susceptible to sin. Until then, we're prone to sin. But thanks be to God that his blood reaches, hallelujah, to the highest mountain. Thanks be unto God that his blood flows down to the lowest valley, hallelujah, and it reaches me no matter where I am. And all I have to do is confess my fault, confess my sin unto God, and be cleansed and be purified again. So that what? We can partake of his body and his blood in a worthy manner. Many are weak and sick, and many are asleep. In um, in the Hebrew language, this word sleep often uh, refers to death. It's the way it is a kind of way of saying someone's dead is to say they're asleep. When we take communion in an unworthy manner, the offense is so serious to God that he may put the worst offenders to death, which is an extreme but effective form of church purification. Okay? Sometimes God may choose in his own wisdom to take someone's life so that they don't continue to perpetuate and live in sin with an unrepentant heart and ultimately bring damnation on themselves so God can judge them and actually take their life. They still have salvation, but he takes them out. And look look what it says, not, not, not merely for their sakes, but he takes them out for the sake of the body of Christ. That those that remain so that their living and their lifestyle doesn't become a negative influence in the body. So God chooses to remove them 
Are you following me? God chooses to remove remove them out of the body so that the body can stay whole, the body can stay pure, and that the body can stay holy. Now, Paul doesn't give any specific reference as to who or anything like that, but he's alerting us to the, the possibility of what can be done. He's alerting us to the seriousness by which God views communion, okay, that he said, if necessary, God will remove them out of the body. And he said, for that reason, he said, many are weak, many are sick, and some, yes, have even died. Now I'm at verse 31. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. You don't need anyone else to judge you. Again, if you're a believer, you've been born again, washed in the blood, and the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, you already know. Why? The Holy Spirit has already informed you, has already brought it to your consciousness, has brought it out of your subconscious mind to your conscious mind. You feel guilty about it. You feel remorseful over it. That is God giving you an opportunity to now confess your sins, to repent of it, to be cleansed from it, washed, purified, and made acceptable again for communion. And let me be clear to say communion is not just for, is not, not, not just, but not, it's not for perfect people. No one comes to the Lord's table, uh, perfect. They, they all sat around that night and asked, Lord, is it I? And they all asked it because they all knew they weren't perfect. All, they all knew they had said something and done something. Lord, is it I? Am I the one that the betrayer? Uh, because they just knew living in the flesh, they were susceptible to sin. So it's not to say that we're perfect. None of those disciples were perfect, but they have been what? They had been washed in the blood because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And it was his blood that they were now partaking of. It was his body that they were now participating in, that their sins were washed and forgiven. So while believers is, while the communion is for believers, communion is not for perfect people. But it is for people who have examined themselves. It is for people who have now put their life up against the word of God. It is for people who are fighting the good fight of faith every day, praying, consecrating, fasting. It is, it is for believers who are, are asking that Lord, uh, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew. That's who communion is for. And that's how you take communion in a worthy or proper manner by discerning the Lord's body. So if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. I think when we judge ourselves, we would find that we have come up short. And in the moments before communion, the days, the weeks leading up to communion, we go into our prayer closet and we confess our sins. We reach out to those that we have offended and we seek to get reconciled. 
so that I can come to the Lord's table and that I can partake of communion, that I can uh, handle his body, that I can drink his blood and have my conscience clear that I'm not guilty, that I'm not doing this in an unworthy manner. But I have given the, this sacrament the seriousness, the weightiness that it deserves every time we come. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord. The Bible said, whom the Lord loveth, he what? He chastens. He sends judgment. Again, not to destroy us, not damnation, not to destroy but he chastens us. Why? Because he loves us. Because he wants us to become better. Because he wants us to become more like him. Because he wants us to avoid eating and drinking damnation to our own selves. So what? He chastens us. Just like a loving father, just like a caring mother. They're not trying to harm us. They're not trying to destroy us. But they're actually trying to make us better. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. That's what we were just talking about. Verse 33, I know I'm running short here. It says, therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. And that was directly against the church at Corinthians because that's exactly what they were not doing. They had, they had started the fellowship they had started the communion celebration, and, ha and the majority of the folks had not even gotten there, hadn't even arrived, so that by the time they arrived, there was what? There was no, no, no bread, no wine left. Some, some had even overindulged on the wine and had gotten to the point of being intoxicated. Here you are, you got one group that's intoxicated, and then you got another group who don't get any at all. How can that image represent the one body of Jesus Christ? It doesn't. They were taking communion in an unworthy, in an unworthy manner. But he said, wait for one another. Verse 34, and I got to quit. I see the time. It says, but if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home. Lest you come together for judgment and the rest I set in order when I come. If you have not properly prepared for communion, don't take it. Don't feel pressured because everyone else is taking it. Don't feel that you have to take it so you don't stand out. You will do more to enhance the body of Christ to refrain from taking communion in an unworthy manner you will actually strengthen the body of Christ. You don't, you don't eat and drink damnation to yourself. You don't inject a virus into the body whereby it contaminates others. But take whatever time is needed to get right with God. Whatever time is needed for you to confess your sins. Whatever time is needed to get reconciled with your brother. And you know what I love when I started thinking about this communion thing? God's got this thing worked out. Let me let me blow my nose. I'm going to say this last piece and we're, and we're done with it. 
<laughs> Forgive me for doing that on, on live internet, but there it is. Get the, you know what I love about this as I was studying this? If we have the proper understanding of communion, what the communion service does is purify the body of Christ. And he doesn't do it with a heavy stick, doesn't do it with a heavy hand. He does it by saying simply, examine yourself against the sacrifice that Christ Jesus made for you. And just ensure that you don't take communion in an unworthy manner. When we do that properly, each time, little by little, we purify the body of Christ. Bit by bit, sin is removed out of the life and livelihood of the church congregation. Little by little, as believers are added, Little by little, little, as more and more teaching is given on the communion and on the Lord's Supper, when folks become aware that they can actually become guilty of the body of Christ, more and more, as more and more believers understand that there is, uh, 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 uh there, there is the potential of taking communion in an un, what, no one ever told me that. The only thing anyone ever told me about communion was what? Take it. Do it. But they never told me about examining my life. No one ever took time to explain like Paul did to the church at Corinth how I can do something in an unworthy manner. This through the simple act of communion, God, the Spirit, purifies his church. Get this. The Bible says that he's coming back for a church without a spot or wrinkle. Do you know that the church without a spot or wrinkle is the church that takes communion in a proper manner? Because if done right, and done consistently, we each participate in removing sin out of the body. And we do it as we remove sin out of our own life. So this simple ceremony of communion is the process by which God purifies his church and makes it ready for the return of his son so that looking forward the church is purified and ready for the marriage supper of the lamb and how do we do it by getting communion right how do we get communion right? By avoiding the temptation to take communion in an unworthy 
manner. I told you at the beginning of the year, if we don't do anything else in 2022, I don't care if we don't ever go back in the church, we stay virtual, I don't care if we don't have any more events and we can't do stuff like we know, if we don't do nothing else but get communion right so that our heart is purified before God and that we don't hold an ought or bitterness towards anyone and that there is love and compassion for, for the brethren, for the church. And that we can take the bread and take the wine in a worthy, if we just do that, God will be pleased. I think God would smile on the church that does that. The church that takes communion with the level of seriousness, with the level of commitment that is required. Why? Because Christ gave his own body and his own blood that we might be redeemed and made one with Christ and God himself. My hope and prayer for you today is also the one that I have for myself, that from this day forward, may I never, ever take communion in an unworthy manner. May the Lord bless you, keep you, is my prayer. If you're out there this Sunday morning, you've listened to this message, and you've heard me clearly state that communion is only for believers. If you have not given your life to Christ, if you have not accepted him as your personal Savior, why not do it now? Now is the time. If something that has been said out of the word of God, if something that has been communicated to you by the Spirit of God is convicting your heart right now, why not let him in? Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. Hallelujah. If any man would open the door, Jesus said, I will come in. Why don't you let him in this Sunday? Why don't you let him in? Why don't you get your house ready for communion? Why don't you get your life ready for fellowship in the body of Christ? Do it today. Do it right now. Give your life to Christ. He's waiting for you. He's knocking. I know it. I feel it in my spirit. He's knocking at the door. Let him in this Sunday. Don't deny him. Don't keep him out. Give your life to Christ. Come to the table. Hallelujah. Under God. Hallelujah. The table of the Lord is prepared. His body has already been broken. His blood has already been shed. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And every time we take communion, we do proclaim the Lord's death. We tell the world again and again that Christ died for me. Christ died for you. Come, hallelujah, hallelujah to God. Come be a part of the family of God. Come be a part of the body of God. He died for you. He died so that you and I might live again, not to condemnation. Hallelujah to God. That we might enjoy eternal life with him and the Father throughout all eternity. Hallelujah at the marriage supper 
of the Lamb. Give your life to Christ today. Give your life to him right now. Invite him in. Let him into your life. Hallelujah. He died that you might receive salvation. For those of us that have already been washed in the blood, those of us who have already given our lives over to Christ, hallelujah to God. I pray that you never let communion become common. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to God. But let us always honor him to come to the Lord's table in a manner that is worthy of the honor and glory due to our Savior, the one and only Lamb of God. Hallelujah in Jesus' name. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. Thank you for hanging in there. This Sunday I built up some time over the months, over the weeks. I hadn't used up all of it, so I'm making up uh, uh, for some lost time. The Lord thank you. I appreciate your attention and your, your prayerful participation. Service now back into the hands of our liturgists. God bless you. mighty word we have received all month long. Ooh, what a feast pastor has laid out before us, and I hope we're all taking advantage of that. Hey, if you didn't see it, uh, if you accepted Christ today or if you'd like to learn more about Christ, you can reach us at www.taylortabernacle.com, and you can either hit the prayer uh, prayer request page or um please contact me, I'm sorry, to contact us or the prayer request tab and leave us a message. We'll get right back to you. Or you can call us at 215-748-4578 and leave us a voicemail and someone from our ministry will contact you as soon as possible to help you in this new walk in your life. Amen. Hey, we're going into the ministry of giving. Hallelujah. Bless the holy name of the Lord. And you can give either of three ways for the tabernacle. You may do it via text, and you may text the code TAYLOR61 to the phone number 73256. You will receive a link and instructions on what to do next. You may also visit our website, uh, taylortabernacle.com slash giving, and follow those instructions in order to give. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you may also uh, give via U.S. mail at taylortabernacle.com, P.O. Box 6309, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 19139. Please send check or money order. Please do not send any cash through um, the U.S. mail. And as always, we thank you so much for your continued support of this ministry. Amen. Just a couple of announcements as we head into um, the remainder of our week and in, into a new month on Tuesday. Uh, as always, we want to remind you, even though for the next uh, month we're going to be out of the house, the tabernacle physical structure will be closed, that when we do return, we're asking you to please wear a mask and to uh, govern yourself properly as we have been during during this COVID season. Take your temperature. If you're running a temperature, please stay at home. It, if you, you come in contact with a family member or a family member is running a temperature, please, ma'am, please, sir, once again, stay at home. Additionally, the van service will be suspended until further notice, and please keep this in mind once we reopen and you're preparing to return to the tabernacle. 
For Sunday services will be virtual for the month of February, so we will continue to be closed for the entire month of February. On Wednesday nights, don't forget prayer and Bible study, 7 to 8.30. Please take note of that new time, that's 7 to 8.30. So we're lengthening a little bit, and we're uh, pastor added prayer at the beginning of the year, and that is via Google Meet. Amen. We've had a mighty time. The marriage ministry will be adding... The marriage ministry will be adding uh, an event on February 11th, and we'll get details of that. They're upcoming. A Sunday of Hope, which we are very familiar with uh, for St. Jude and Kappa Alpha Psi, will be February 27th, and we'll get more details on how we're going to participate in that this year. And lastly, but certainly not least, our Girl Scouts of America we have three at the Tabernacle, our sister Kennedy McCoy, our sister Zoe, and, and Zaya Price. Amen. You should have up on your screen uh, the Girl Scout cookie play, uh, sheet. And at the very bottom, you'll see how you can contact each of them. We hope you'll support all of them uh, in purchasing Girl Scout cookies. It is a worthwhile cause for our young ladies. And we hope that you'll, you'll support them. Amen. Amen. We're going to have our pastor return to uh, to stay informed. Please email your info, anything to taylortabernacle.com for uh, announcements and details. Send us an email if you're not on the list, and we'll add you to the list. Also, you can check our website, taylortabernacle.com, and calendar from your phone or your computer, and you'll also get uh, you'll be able to check what's going on at the Tabernacle. You can reach us on Facebook and Instagram at Taylor Tabernacle, on Twitter at Taylor Tab Church, and on YouTube and Spotify. Had the service back in the hands of our pastor for benediction. God bless you, Barham. Thanks for the announcement. Thank you for the instructions in giving. Um, as we go into next month, uh, I am inviting you, if you have questions or comments regarding the communion service, please email me via the website, email me directly, send it to your watch care on the third Sunday in February, the third Sunday, I am going to be answering the questions that have been submitted, you know, thus far, and you still have a window of opportunity to get those in. So if you have any uh, confusion, any concern, anything that's, that I have not explained clearly enough or thoroughly enough. Uh, I'm so committed uh, to um, teaching this in a way uh, that is helpful and meaningful to the body of Christ. I want to allow questions uh, on this format, even if we were back in the uh, sanctuary. Uh, it doesn't lend itself to a Q&A period. And so I'm trying to create a Q&A period, which we'll have on that third Sunday. So, again, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, I know some of you have already sent in your questions. If any of you uh, have some, please get them in uh, because on the third Sunday, I, I am going to attempt to go through the entire list of questions uh, and uh, provide biblical answers to your inquiries. Amen. So once again, thank you. Thank you for hanging out. Uh, really, really appreciate Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege you have given us today to huddle around the word of God. Thank you for its warm uh, 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 embrace. Thank you for the conviction that it has caused in our heart. Uh, 
Lord, give us the kind of attitude that would make us willing to confess our sins, our faults, and our failures, and that we would get right with God and with our brethren and sisters. Help us to live a life that is worthy of the communion sacraments of your body and blood. Go with us and stand by us is our prayer. We ask in Christ's name and for his sake, everybody everywhere, say amen. God bless you, tell the nation. Thank you so much for being with us. We'll see you on next Sunday. Take care.